episode 30 of the podcast. Uh, I'm Drew. I'm Dylan. And uh, today we're going to kind of break down what happened. Uh, you know, it's been NFL week 16. The season's coming to a close. So we're going to be mm-hmm. lo- taking a look at the playoff picture. We're talking about the NBA, recent storylines. Uh, so we're going to start off with a game that just ended, uh, the Packers-Titans game. Uh, Dylan, what was your reaction? I was honestly surprised at how much of a blowout this game was. Uh, in our picks, I did have the Titans kind of pulling off an upset. Um, I mean, Devontae Adams being Devontae Adams. And Aaron Jones didn't really have that good of a game, and they still won mm-hmm. very easily. I think the Packers' defense also played very good. Mm-hmm. I know it was kind of snowing, so it was a bit difficult for the Titans to get going, considering mm-hmm. they're very uh, run-heavy with Derrick Henry. But I kind of got some more confidence from the Packers for the playoffs uh, in this game. They beat a Titans team that's a very good football team with very – low levels of difficulty. So I think this was a really, really good win for the Packers. And I think this is going to kind of boot the Titans out of the playoffs, which we'll discuss later. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, I really like Aaron Rodgers. I said that he's my MVP candidate after this game. Again, I'm going to say he's still my MVP candidate after Patrick Mahomes had a little bit of an off game. But uh, just kind of building off what you said, Dylan, I think that the Packers defense was really kind of what held them what held the Titans from kind of exploding that the Titans, they averaged the most points per game in the NFL, which is crazy. They averaged like over 40, like the most times in the NFL this season. Uh, and I think they're, when they get going, they're an absolutely lethal team. I think they have one of the best offenses in football. you got Ryan Tannehill playing the best football of his life. Yeah. you got Derrick Henry, obviously the best running back in the league. You've got a pretty decent offensive line. Then you've got great receiving weapons with Jonu Smith, Corey Davis, and uh, A.J. Brown. Um, so the main thing that kind of, it came down to when I was examining both of these teams, I initially had the Titans. Uh, then I changed my pick to the Packers after I was kind of thinking about different variables. Uh, I didn't know it was going to actually snow. Uh, so I didn't really take that into account. Uh, but I thought that the Packers defense, their, their secondary is very good. I thought that their run game their run defense could step up enough to slow down Derrick Henry, but I didn't expect them to kind of stop him like this. And I think once they stopped Derrick Henry, the rest of the game was very easy for them since it was in the snow. The receivers can't really catch the ball for the Titans. Uh, but it was the opposite. It was the entirely opposite case for the the Packers. You have Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers just killing it. Uh, A.J. Dillon, their third string running back with two touchdowns being yeah. absolutely – being an absolute beast, I think this shows that the Packers can definitely go pretty far in the playoffs. I think it's a it's a breath of fresh air for Packers fans after that kind of disappointing win over the the Panthers where they just kind of gave up, reverting back to the Packers of last year. Uh, but this one was just absolutely dominant for them, uh, and i I think it was I think it was great for the Packers. Uh, for the Titans, it's a little bit scary though. Yeah. So moving on, one of the other more popular games today was the Seahawks Rams Juice team with Seahawks getting the win, twenty to nine. Uh, my main takeaway again was the defense from the Seattle Seahawks. We were kind of discussing how poor they are on the side of that on the that side of the ball last week, and mm-hmm. holding the Rams to nine points is an accomplish accomplishment for any team in the NFL. Going into this, I thought this was going to be a very offensive type of game. I thought Seahawks would score more than 20. I certainly thought the Rams would score more than nine. Um, it's a good offense that the Rams have, and I think the Seahawks, um, I don't know how often they're going to be able to to repeat this type of defensive performance, 
But mm-hmm. I think this shows that they have enough talent where if they're able to get it together, they can be a pretty good defense. So I think Seahawks fans should be excited about this type of game getting into the playoffs. Yeah, for our defense, uh, I think I definitely am excited. Uh, the first half of this game was basically very low-scoring affair. I think it was like 6-3, to 6-6 to six at, at halftime. Neither team had even scored a touchdown. Um, but I am pleasantly surprised as a Seahawks fan to see that our defense really held Jared Goss in check. I mean, yes, we've seen him kind of be inconsistent this season. We've seen the Rams as a whole be offensively inconsistent. Uh, so it wasn't a huge, huge vi- – because the Rams offense is kind of inconsistent where, like, when it gets going, it gets going very well. But when it's not getting going like we saw today, like, just nothing works. Uh, they tried establishing the run game. They couldn't get that going. I mean, Daryl Henderson, I think he had headed to the tent with a minor injury and they had to put in, like, Malcolm Brown. They weren't able to get that going. I think it was a very defensive battle the entire game, but the Seahawks have enough offensive talent where they could just pull away those two touchdowns. I think Jamal Adams had an absolute field day today. K.J. Wright was great. Quandre Diggs with that big interception. Uh, I'm excited for our defense. I think our offense looked a little bit slow. I don't like that. Um yeah, based on the fact that in the NFC we do have a lot of good defenses uh, going into the playoffs, so that is a, a little bit worrying. But overall, I am pretty satisfied on how we played today because I could definitely see us losing this game, even though I had us winning. Yeah, so we're gonna move on to uh, the Buccaneers versus the Lions. I can't wait to talk about this. So yeah. my man Tom Brady, they win forty-seven to seven, very, very, very easily. And Tom mm-hmm. Brady, the week after the Bucks' entire roster really gets snubbed from the Pro Bowl, other than yeah. nine-finger nine finger Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, <laughs> Tom Brady throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns in one half of football. That is probably one of the craziest yep. stat lines I've ever seen in, in my entire life. And nobody's mm-hmm. even really talking about it because, oh, it was against the Lions. The Lions yeah. are a bad team, but I, I still – See, no, nobody's giving Tom credit. The offense, mm-hmm. they literally were able to do anything they want whenever they want. Gronk mm-hmm. was just mossing people. Evans and Godwin were getting open at will. Fournette mm-hmm. was just running through people. And Ryan Suckup missed a field goal and two extra points. And we mm-hmm. won 47-7. to And our entire our QB, Tom Brady, was benched at halftime because we didn't want to get him hurt or whatever, I guess. But... Tom Brady threw for 350 yards and four touchdowns in one half of football. I'm not even joking. I think he could have thrown for 600 yards and six touchdowns if he played the entire game. I think that's very much a a reasonable take. I think this shows what direction our offense needs to be. It needs to clearly be pass first. You know, obviously, you can't just pass the entire game, but I think we should pass as much as we possibly can because you just need to play to your strengths at the end of the day, and the Bucks have a very – receiver-heavy team. And one thing mm-hmm. I want to throw out is Kate, Keyshawn Vaughn needs to start getting more snaps. Um, he's a very uh, electrifying runner in the open field. You know, yeah. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette don't really have that uh, break. Or Ronald Jones kind of has the breakaway speed, but Fournette does not have that whatsoever. <laughs> Vaughn's mm-hmm. pretty good pass catcher, and he's only a rookie, I believe. I think he has a very bright future if the Bucks uh, kind of keep him around. And one thing... Uh, I want to throw out from uh, my boy Skip Bayless. He tweeted out some great uh, number analysis. Oh, God. So the second half of the Atlanta Falcons game, he throws for 320 yards and two touchdowns. First half of 
the Lions game, 348 yards and four touchdowns. That's back-to-back halves with 300-plus yards of football, which has never been done in NFL history. And the all-time NFL record for a passing yards game is 554 yards from Norm Van Brocklin, which was in 1951. And if you add Tom Brady's two halves together, he threw for 668 yards in back-to-back halves. I know it's two separate games, but we're just talking Mm -hmm. hypothetical here. And Mm -hmm. that's just absolutely demolishing greatness. I mean, that's what Tom Brady's been doing his whole career. (laughs) And nobody's kind of giving us props because, oh, it's against the Lions. Well, we're just going to keep riding this momentum into the playoffs. We're going to make a deep Mm -hmm. run into the playoffs. When our offense is clicking, nobody can stop it. And I think this is just a testament to that. Um, yeah, so you kind of described everything that happened that game. Uh, I'll keep this a little bit shorter. Uh, but overall, yeah, Tom Brady just absolutely cooked the entire Lions defense. I don't think it's fair to kind of discredit him by saying that he, it was weaker competition because doing that against any defense is an accomplishment in and of itself. Uh, I think that the Bucks, our big issue that we talked about them was their lack of offensive identity. And I think that as they're kind of figuring out, hey, we need to work in some of those more intermediate routes that we can break off for bigger chunks of yardage. They're becoming a more efficient football team. The defense we know has talent, uh, has been a little bit inconsistent today. Uh, I mean, not today, but uh, this game was definitely not the case. They had a fumble recovery and a big interception, uh, only allowed seven points to the Detroit Lions. I Yes, you can say it's the Lions, but at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a great performance from not just Tom Brady, but the entire yes, Bucks team. True, true, true. Uh, I think it's – you say that when they get going, no one can stop them. I think that's what it feels like right now. But we know that – I think this this offensive firepower can lead to some very interesting matchups in the playoffs. So I'm very excited to see this Bucks team in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The next right. thing uh, we're going to be discussing about uh, for you Alvin Kamara fantasy owners is Alvin Kamara's six-touchdown performance – I think he had like 55 fantasy points today, which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. So, Drew, what is just your thoughts on Alvin Kamara's big game today? Um, one big thing that I'm going to say, it could have been seven. He could have had the record uh, if Sean Payton didn't have a Taysom Hill boner. Um, <laughs> that that was 100%. Like, <laughs> you you could hear, like, the people I, – I don't even know if they're letting people back into the Superdome uh, – Either it was simulated or actual people were booing Sean Payton and taking Alvin Kamara out of the game. I would have as well. You have that big of a lead. Like, why are you not putting in the guy at, like, the one-yard line to break the record? Yeah. That's just, like, a it's annoying move. Uh, I mean, but, yeah, the, the Saints killed them. But Alvin Kamara, every time he touched the ball, it was, like, it, it was crazy. Like, his, his speed, his change of direction, he, he's a great yeah. running back. This really showed it. Uh, six touchdowns that ties the all-time leading record in a game. Like I said, he could have broken it. Um, but one thing I am going to talk about is how Mike Zimmer, uh, that's the Minnesota Vikings head coach, he bashed his defense after it. He said that this is like the worst defense we've ever had. I feel like as a head coach, you should not be saying that because that's pretty demoralizing to a team. And based on the fact that he's been with this organization and kind of neglected the defensive problems for such a long time, I feel like that he doesn't really have an authority to trash on them um, because he's just kind of pinning the blame on them rather than his horrible coaching. Uh, But uh, 
again, not to stray too far away from the point here, Alvin Kamara, just absolutely historic game. I'm glad that I was able to see it. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Great. I loved his cleats. I like how, if he's going to get fined, he's matching that with the donation to charity. So just an all around good guy. Yeah. I mean, six touchdowns, there's nothing you could really say about that. Um, I think this is just representative of the Saints offensive firepower. Uh, the Saints, in my opinion, are the one uh, team I am afraid that the Bucks are going to have to get through in the playoffs. We're 0-2 mm-hmm. against the Saints. They just match up against us very well for whatever reason that may be. But I'm glad to see Kamara getting some good games in. He hasn't been kind of as elite the second half of the season as he was. Um, I think this kind of reaffirms how he's been a top three running back all season long. And then uh, Mike Zimmer... I, I agree with Drew here. I mean, it's his fault that the defense is part. It's partially his fault the defense is where it's at. They lost a ton mm-hmm. of defenders in free agency this year, and he did literally like nothing to try to replace that or do anything. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings, if they got a good defense, they're definitely a solid playoff caliber team. Because I was shocked at how good of a record they managed to have this season, losing Diggs. And losing all those key defenders, so that's just mm-hmm. kind of straying away from the topic. But I think the Vikings could be a very good football team if they get that defense together, and you know, obviously Kamara doing great things. Yeah, I'd say that that uh, that loss of Anthony Barr at linebacker—that's a huge reason why Kamara's able to get six touchdowns today, mm-hmm. and why they've been weak all season. But uh, moving on here to our Sunday MVP, uh, we do this pretty much weekly. It's the best performance by a player. Um, from this Sunday. So, uh, Dylan, you want to start us off? Who's your yeah, guy? so obvious picks here. You know, I don't do that for the Sunday MVP. The obvious pick for this week, you know, Brady. You got uh, Kamara. My Sunday MVP is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick because oh yeah, he basically just saved the Dolphins from missing the playoffs. This guy yep. emerges from the ashes to save a struggling <laughs> rookie quarterback and comes back mm-hmm. to win – Basically, a game which they probably had like less than a 5% chance to win, according to PFI or whatever. I mean, this Mm -hmm. guy just emerges from nowhere and really just keeps the Dolphins alive in the season. Nobody else did that today. So, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's got the beard. He had the game. So, he's (laughs) got my Sunday MVP. Um. So for this week's Sunday MVP, I limited it. I kind of went with a theme this week. I, I went to only Sunday. Uh, I didn't even include like Saturday's games or like, I think fr- yeah Friday's games. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't include Fitz Magic. He probably would have been my guy as well. Uh, but for this week, uh, this was off of our most recent game. I have Devonte Adams. Uh, he yeah, had a, an amazing game. He had an amazing game yet again. Uh, He's Aaron Rodgers' number one guy. He had three touchdowns today, over 100 yards again. This guy is just automatic. If you have him on your fantasy team, you're probably praising the Lord. He had 43.2 points today. Uh, Yeah, but he is a big reason why Aaron Rodgers is uh, where he is in the MVP conversation. I think that their connection is just absolutely electric. And what he's able to do in the snow is just – it's really crazy. Uh, But, yeah, that's my Sunday MVP. Yeah, so – uh, we're going to keep talking about this Raiders-Dolphins game. Um, mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick and one with the face mask, face mask slings it down to the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're able to kick that game-winning field goal. So, Drew, just your reaction to that. So, uh, 
Shout out to uh, Jad. I'm pretty sure you're listening right now. Uh, he's he's our resident Raiders fan here at Triad Talks. Uh, I was texting him while this was happening. Um, and the Raiders, uh, I will say this. I would say that the Raiders defense was able to kind of lock up Tua. Uh, I think that they kind of took control um, of the Dolphins offense uh, decently. And I think that the Raiders offense, when it's clicking, it's pretty good. Darren Waller, he can catch anything you put in a five-mile radius. Um, but I just think that up until that point, I was thinking, okay, I, I really like the Dolphins as a team, but the Raiders pretty much have this one in the bag. Uh, you see Josh Jacobs' very smart move on third down. He has a wide-open lane to the end zone. He just slides down at the one. Uh, they bring out their kicker. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Oh, Carlson, uh, Daniel Carlson. They bring mm-hmm. him out. He's basically automatic. He kicks an easy chip shot field goal, and you just got a couple seconds left. I see Fitzmagic trotting out on the field. I'm like, okay, they're not going to go with Tua for this. I know a miracle has to happen here, and I'm really not betting on it. Then I see the ball snapped. I see Damon Arnett just kind of stand there. <laughs> I, he, he, he fake blitzes uh, Damon Arnett, cornerback for the, the Raiders. Uh, he was the one – actually guarding the the guy that made the catch. I'm forgetting his name. He's the tight end for the Miami Dolphins. Not Gesicki, but the other guy. But, um, yeah, so he was supposed to be covering him, I guess. I don't really know what this defensive coverage was. Uh, but he just kind of stood there, and Fitzpatrick, hand in his face, getting his head literally ripped off of his body, makes this incredible throw to the sideline. Receiver gets out of bounds. You get the 15 yards face mask. Jason Sanders, he's been automatic all year, and he kicks it in to give the the Dolphins uh, the the two point win, keeps their playoff hopes alive. I think this was probably the most exciting game. If you're a Raiders fan, this is probably the most depressing game. Raiders ended their playoff hopes; they had very slim chances of getting it in, getting into the AFC playoffs, um, but they officially ended with the Dolphins' victory. I really do like the Dolphins. I think that they're honestly the best coached unit in the NFL right now. I think mm. that Brian Flores is absolutely amazing. And what he's done with that team is is absolutely incredible. I really like the Fitz Tua kind of thing they got going on there. Uh, we'll talk about that more in a second. But overall, if you're a Raiders fan, you got to be disappointed in this team because you have all this talent on offense. You have these pretty talented players on defense. And you just can't get it done because – you don't know how to use that talent. You have like you drafted Henry Ruggs. You're not even using him, and it, it's just a it's a sad situation for the Raiders right now, man. They just got to make some pretty drastic roster changes. They got to make some pretty dra- drastic game plan changes. And honestly, I would say that the possibility of firing John Gruden is pretty high. I mm. I would definitely consider firing John Gruden. Yeah. So. Uh, there's two main things I've got from this game. One is uh, Arnett. You know, he had that absolute mental breakdown. Arnett is never, <laughs> ever going to do anything like this again. He's going to, you know, learn from this mistake. Uh, You're a big Arnett guy? I don't I don't know if he's going to be an elite corner or anything, but mm-hmm. I think he'll be a kind of a good, like, team piece. I don't know if he's going to be able to go one-on-one with star-wide receivers anytime soon. But mm-hmm. I think this – you just can't make that mistake. I mean, you, I know you're a rookie. I know, mm-hmm. like, 
but what are you doing, bro? Like, they have to go, like, 50 yeah. yards and, in, like, 18 seconds, and they have no timeouts? And you're just and, running up to the line of scrimmage? Like, I have no idea what he's doing. Yeah. And then my next thing is this is how the Raiders get their uh, get their rap. I mean, this is just a testament of playing undisciplined football for years. Yeah. This is probably yeah. the only team in the entire NFL that could have given this up because of how – undisciplined they play (laughs) their cornerback Mm -hmm. has probably the weakest mental play of his entire football career of the entire season Mm -hmm. then you throw that on with a guy tackling Fitzpatrick with absolutely nothing except a face mask and then Mm -hmm. he still throws it I can't I can't see any other team giving this up other than the Raiders of course the Raiders Mm -hmm. had to do it they're undisciplined Mm -hmm. football uh identity is gonna remain with me i mean mm-hmm. the dolphins just pulling this off it gives me gives me vibes that they're gonna just find a way to get into those playoffs um, it is a mm-hmm. great uh testament to the coaching how they're able to get this good of a record with very mm-hmm. so little basically no superstar talent except xavion mm-hmm. howard i would say but i mean it's yeah. just a great great team win for the dolphins and the raiders you had this in the bag you had a very, very good chance a few weeks ago to make the playoffs. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you had to come show up and you just weren't able to. I don't know if you fired mm-hmm. Gruden. I don't know, like, how much of this could be Gruden's fault. I mean, he got them here. I was very shocked that they were even in contention to make the playoffs at this point in the year. But um, mm-hmm. I think he can just keep rolling with Gruden, see what happens. Ruggs needs to get the ball more, though. That is just embarrassing. He has, like... Yeah. I don't think he has a game over like two or three catches on the entire season, <laughs> or targets, or targets probably. probably. Yeah. So um, we're gonna keep breaking down this dolphin situation. How do you think this sort of situation where they bring in Fitzpatrick from the cave when uh, two is struggling <laughs> and they get these wins? How do you think this keeps on working? I really like what they're doing in Miami with that quarterback situation. Again, I mean, I've already complimented Brian Flores. I'm going to do it again. I think that this is kind of a testament to how he's kind of forming this team where you got the older, you got the journeyman giving advice to the rookie. I mean, it's what you kind of want your starting quarterback to do. Uh, it's why like in the Aaron Rodgers situation, that's what they wanted Brett Favre to do with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously he didn't. Um, but here you've got this really good relationship between uh, Fitzpatrick and Tua they know that they've got a guy with not a lot of ego and Fitzpatrick. He's just kind of a journeyman. He'll, he'll go with the flow and they know that they have a good football player with him. And I think that this situation is ideal for a rookie quarterback like Tua because Fitzpatrick can give him all the insight he has to the NFL, all of his, his tips and tricks, basically like how to survive out there. And this also gives the dolphins the option of Fitzpatrick as an option. If, Let's say Tua, like we saw in the, the Raiders game, Tua wasn't playing too well. He's getting a little bit frazzled, so they just put in Fitzpatrick, and he, he, he cooked him. Yeah. So I think that this situation is really ideal for, for Tua's development as a young quarterback. I think this is like the perfect situation for him, learning from a, a vet that it can still perform. Uh, and I think that this is also a good situation for Fitzpatrick because he gets to be kind of like a contributor – to the Dolphins organization, he gets to show up in those big moments, but also provide kind of mentorship to Tua. And I think that this, for the future of Tua's development and of the Dolphins quarterback situation, I mean, we've seen like Ryan Tannehill have a bunch of injury issues there, him 
his kind of career go get cut short there. And then you got like Josh Rosen just doing horribly <laughs> there. So I, I think that this is a good step in the right direction for the Dolphins organization. Yeah, so I've got to give credit to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I can't name any other quarterback in the NFL that would not complain about what he's been through this season or not come out to the media and say, why am I not the starting QB? Exactly. Just recently being replaced by a rookie and coming to save him many, many times throughout the season and win football games for your team and then not claim, oh, why mm-hmm. is he starting over me? I need to be starting. That's a very, very big uh, move for Fitzpatrick, which is partly why this is working. And then obviously Tua, he's having some trouble when he's struggling. And I think his inability to sort of turn around his game is going to be a red flag that the Dolphins are going to have to kind of deal with. I know he's still a rookie, but the fact that mm-hmm. that when he's struggling, they feel they just should just take him out of the game, I think is a very big issue mm-hmm. for to his long-term uh, career. And I think it also sort of raises okay. a solid question about, you know, they come out in the playoffs. Should they just start Tua? Uh, what would you do if the Dolphins are coming out their first playoff game? Are you going to start Tua? Just for him to, you know, go 0 for 7 in the first quarter, then they have to put in Fitzpatrick? Or what do you think they should do? I'm going to be completely 100% here, and I think I mirror the kind of thoughts of the Dolphins organization. I think that you 110%, you start to attack Tagovailoa. I mean, he, he's a good kid. He has solid football <laughs> fundamentals. You can see him. Uh, he does make the right reads. I do think that his kind of ability to play under pressure is a little bit of a problem. Like you talked about Dylan, which is why they kind of need Fitzpatrick, like to kind of pull him out of the sunken place when he's not playing too well. But I I do think you want to roll with Tua. I think the Dolphins do want to roll with Tua because he's very accurate. He doesn't like to make a lot of mistakes. He doesn't make a lot of bad reads with the football. Uh, When he doesn't have it, he throws it away, which I think is a very valuable asset in a rookie QB kind of recognizing when you do have the play, when you don't have the play. Um, And overall, I, do think that Tua is definitely going yeah. to be the starter for the Dolphins. I think that you do bring in Fitzpatrick if he's struggling again, because uh, you don't want to take any chances, uh, really. Um, but I, I, I do definitely think you you still roll with Tua. I don't think it's a situation where there's a lot of competition okay. between the two, where you have to, where you're trying to decide yeah, which I, one to I start. Yeah, I kind of agree with that approach, but I just want to see what's going to happen when Fitzpatrick isn't there to save Tua from himself and I just need to see Tua kind of realize oh this isn't working right now I need to see him make some in-game adjustments uh, I just need him to mm-hmm. be able to do that before I'm like okay they should they should just roll with Tua right now for for the long term so we're, we're gonna be yeah, moving on yeah. to uh, another sort of quarterback situation <laughs> Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos um I'm gonna start here you know Drew mm-hmm. Locke I'm I'm kind of a big yep, Drew Lock guy. I was kind of pushing for him, mm-hmm. but let me just—I think everybody's going to sort of take this uh, the wrong way. Let me contextualize this Broncos season. So, before Game One, basically, I yep. believe Cortland Sutton and Von Miller are both ruled out for the entire season. Sutton is easily the WR one mm-hmm. on that team, and he's a very good wide receiver in general. Von Miller, obviously, the best player on that defense. Now, the defense, you know, doesn't directly impact Drew Locke's abilities, but defense giving up more points, offense is going to have to keep passing, and we can see how that is going to turn out. And he does not have elite weapons, but he can't – that's obviously not an excuse, 
but he's been able to win games for them that they had no business winning, uh, such as that Dolphins game and that Chargers game, both very close games. And then his his running backs, Melvin Gordon and Phillip Lindsay, is a solid combination. He had to rely heavily on Noah Fant as his tight end. Jerry Judy, rookie, yep. as sort of his WR1 with Sutton out. Judy's kind of had some drop problem, drop problems throughout the season. And they were very, very close. Everybody yeah. talks about, oh, the Chargers, you know, they're close games every week. The Broncos had some very, very close games. They had a six-point loss to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. They're only two points away from beating the Titans. And they had uh, about three or four mm-hmm. other losses all under seven points. You, I don't think you pull the trigger, pull the trigger on Drew Locke. See what he does with another year of development. Mm-hmm. See what he does with Cortland Sutton coming back, with Von Miller coming back to that defense before you sort of uh, let him go and find a new QB. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dylan, I know you're a big Drew Locke fan. I am unfortunately not the same way. Uh, I think that his play this season, yes, I think you definitely do have to take injuries into account because he's losing Cortland Sutton, his obvious wide receiver one, then the defense significantly weakened by the loss of Von Miller. This yeah. is not a very good Broncos team at all. Uh, we know that they're just lacking weapons. I mean, this game, you had Philip Lindsay, or the, the most recent game they played against the Chargers, you had Philip Lindsay out, you had Royce Freeman, who's their uh, third down back, kind of struggling with some hip problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just kind of had like Melvin Gordon. But I think that... Right now, he has at least the excuses of, yeah. hey, my weapons aren't the best. I mean, yes, he has, he has Tim Patrick, who's kind of stepped up for him. He's got Jerry Judy, uh, who I think is, is pretty promising. Uh, kind of kind of a little bit of a letdown, I'd say. Uh, but I wouldn't say that's entirely his fault, given that Drew Locke is throwing the ball. Uh, let, let's just take a look from a statistical side here uh you go to his uh yardage i mean yes he did miss a couple games there with that shoulder injury you got 2300 yards on the season not very good that's 26 in the league you got 14 touchdowns on the season that's 22nd tied for 22nd in the league and then you've got 13 interceptions which is tied for 33rd in the league along with the qbr of 50 i i the stats do not stand on drew Locke's side here but I do think a couple of things do kind of, kind of give him give re, give the Broncos organization reason to continue with him. Uh, for example, just his physical attributes. I mean, you look at him; he's six four, two hundred and thirty pounds. He, he's he's a physical beast. There there's no there's no uh, kind of question about that. But and yes, he is playing with a significantly weaker Broncos team. But I do think his decision-making has just been poor all season. I've not seen him make too many great reads. Yes, he had that four-touchdown game where he just went off, but he's showing that he's a very inconsistent player. I think I want him to prove me wrong. I want him to be the answer because the Broncos have gone through so many guys after Peyton Manning's departure. But in the short term, it's and it's just really not looking like Locke's the answer. I hope that he can yeah, prove me wrong. Yeah, uh, he definitely has a lot to prove before the Broncos sort of give him the keys to that franchise. But next, we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about the worst division in football, the NFC East. Very simple question here. Who's the best mm-hmm. team in the NFC East and who's going to win that division? So here is uh, my answer to this. It's going to be kind of a – I don't think this is the uh-huh. uh, mainstream approach. My The best team in the NFC East, in my opinion, is the Dallas Cowboys. And 
few reasons why I believe this okay. is they easily, easily, easily have the best offensive weapons out of any team in the NFC East. I mean, they've got that great, great receiving core. Cooper, um, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup had a great game today. Andy Dalton is still an average to slightly below average NFL quarterback. You can win games with Andy Dalton. If the Washington football team is winning games with Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins, the Cowboys can win games with Andy Dalton. When the defense is on, it can play at a fairly average level. It is a very normally very bad defense, but you can see them kind of come together every now and then with that individual talent, such as Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, and those guys. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the competition. I mean, the Washington football team, they're a very solid team. Their defense is a very good, obviously. But that offense, it just doesn't really scare me. You know, obviously, Antonio Gibson's a solid running back. Terry McLaurin's a pretty good receiver. But it doesn't have the firepower that the Cowboys mm-hmm. do. Alex Smith, he doesn't he doesn't really scare me. I mean, he can barely even move outside the pocket anymore. And then if you take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles, outside of Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders, they have absolutely zero talent at any other position. Um, the Cowboys had a mm-hmm. kind of struggling at the beginning, but then they came around, beat the Eagles. So I, I do like the Cowboys to sort of pull away with this NFC East somehow. Um, it's a simple question, Dylan, like you said at the beginning, but I think it's a very difficult question to answer. Let me just tell you who's not, because I think this is very easy. The Philadelphia Eagles and yeah. the New York Giants are definitely not the best teams. New York Giants, they have a decent defense. That's about it. Everything else is horrible. Yes, they got injury problems, but that doesn't change the fact that they're a pretty awful team. Eagles, again, injury problems, but just inconsistent play calling. You've got just not a lot of talent all around. That team is definitely not the best. It comes down between the Cowboys mm-hmm. and the Washington football team for me. I think if you're taking this from a talent perspective, the Cowboys walk away with this and then some. Uh, the Cowboys easily have the most talented team in that division. But then I think if you take in a couple of other things, I think if you take in the fact that if the Washington football team offense can be okay, I mean, yes, we've seen Alex Smith kind of be a little bit inconsistent, but he can get it done for them. Uh, I think he's their, obviously their best <laughs> option. Dwayne Haskins is horrible. I will say that again. He is absolutely horrible. I hate watching him play. Uh, their run game is good when they can get it going. J.D. McKissick is a good option. Uh, and, of course, Antonio Gibson, even though he's been a little bit banged up. Uh, but I think that the main edge that the Washington football team has that kind of propels them past this conference and into the overall NFL is that they have one of the best defenses in the NFL, hands down. Uh, Ron Rivera, he's a great coach. He's a good good defensive coach. We've seen that Pearson Panthers defense in the past. Uh, he's kind of showing it here. I think that the Washington football team is the best coach team as well in the division. Obviously, I don't think Mark, Mike McCarthy is very good. Uh, and I definitely do think that this team could literally be like Jets level if it was not given the correct direction. You've got so many weapons on defense. You've got like Chase Young. You got great, uh, great cornerbacks, and then on offense, yeah, you got like Terry McLaurin as a receiving option, Logan Thomas. That's around it. I think that if you're just kind of taking them and comparing them one against the other, this is a very difficult question to answer. But I'd probably is also say the Dallas Cowboys as well. I think that in today's offensively powered league, you can't you can't really get yeah. away with just having a good defense and no offense. Uh, so I definitely do think that the Cowboys have a much larger edge offensively. I think if 
their defense does get it does at least put up some kind of a fight. I think that the Cowboys are definitely the number one. Uh, if their defense is going to be inconsistent and just like not very good as we've seen it be throughout this season, uh, then I think it's a little bit closer. Yes, the Washington football team, the defense is great. Um, and they could be, they could very well be a playoff team, but I, there's just not enough talent there for me to really confidently put them above. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that's definitely a good take. Uh, we're gonna talk some bigger picture playoffs. Who is not gonna be making the playoffs in the NFC, and who's not gonna be making the playoffs in the AFC? Let's start with the NFC. Um, mm-hmm. I think at the end of this six-seven seed, I think the Rams and the Bears clinch the 6-7 seed and unfortunately my boy Kyler Murray and the Cardinals don't make the playoffs I mean I don't know what's been going on with the Cardinals haven't really been paying that much attention to them but Kyler Murray and that team has been on a severe Mm. decline this sort of second half of the season their defense isn't playoff Mm -hmm. caliber yet in my opinion where you see those Bears team who definitely has playoff caliber defense the Rams, you know, have two of the probably the best defenders in the NFL and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, plus a solid offense. The Bears have a pretty good mm-hmm. offense. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, you know, as much as everybody hates on him, he's been playing pretty well recently. The Cardinals have the offense. They just don't have that consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, they really, really needed these past few wins, but they barely, barely beat the Eagles, and mm-hmm. they've kind of just been falling off recently. And I just don't see them sort of getting into that back end of the playoffs in the NFC. Yeah, I think that that loss against yeah. the 49ers this week really is what did it for the Arizona Cardinals, in my opinion. Uh, if they did win that game, then I think that they would be in the playoffs because, yes, the Rams would. I, I have the Rams beating them next week. Um but even if they did lose next week's matchup, they would still probably be in the playoffs because the the Bears, in my opinion, are not going to get past the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so I, I feel like they're not going to make it just because of the very tough conference that they're in. Uh, but as well as just yeah, pretty inconsistent play. Uh, I, there are a lot of things. I, I've watched a lot of the Cardinals games. Uh, I don't really know why. I think I just kind of like to watch our competition because I'm a Seahawks fan. Uh but I, I noticed a lot of things wrong. I'll, I'm not going to talk about it this episode. Maybe we'll do it in a later episode. But I do think that the Cardinals are not going to be able to make it. I think the Bears are, obviously, because they're in a, they're in a weaker division, they're going to make it. I think the Rams obviously make it. And I think this is where it gets interesting because I think that the Cowboys could potentially make it over Washington. If you look at their Week 17 matchup, the Cowboys are playing the Giants, which I think that they – they probably win that game while the Washington football team is matching up against uh, the Eagles, which I think might be a little bit tougher for them, given the fact that, yes, it's kind of a battle of opposites there. The Eagles defense, not very good. The, the Washington football offense, not very good. Um, But uh, while you got the Eagles offense with Jalen Hurts has been pretty, pretty good, honestly. Uh, And then a really good Washington football defense. So I think, that's a closer game um, for the Washington football team. If they can win, obviously they're they're going to clinch it over the Cowboys. But I feel like there might be a higher probability of them losing and getting out of the playoffs than the Cowboys losing yeah, against so the Giants. We're going to talk about the AFC now, which is going to bring me to even more pain. As much as I hate to say this, I do <laughs> not think the Cleveland Browns will be making the 2020 NFL playoffs. 
they I they needed mm-hmm. needed 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 to win this game against the Jets, and they simply failed to do so. I yeah. uh, you know, obviously Baker's WR one today was this guy named Hall who was signed signed to the team on no December seventh. Signed to this team on December seventh, and he was the WR one on the team today. And then the defense just kind of got mm-hmm. torched by Sam Darnold, Jameson Crowder. The just the <laughs> Jets just won this game. I really honestly have no clue how. I mean, Baker needed to win this game. Um, mm-hmm. This was going to be one of those freebies, mm-hmm. and then they're going to clutch up Week 17 against the Steelers. Now they're playing Steelers Week 17 after coming off a loss yeah. to the Jets, and then the Colts. They, yeah. I think they get in. They have uh, PFI has them at seventy eight percent chance to get the spot, and um, the Browns have a fifty five percent chance mm-hmm. to get into the playoffs. The Colts have the better defense. As much as I think yeah. the Colts are overrated on offense and on defense, they're just simply in a mathematically better position to get the spot than the Browns are at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So unfortunately, Dylan, uh, I am kind of a supporter of the Browns, I guess. Uh, I wouldn't say a supporter. I'm not like a huge fan or anything. I, I, I just like Nick Tubb quite a bit. Um, but I do like, I did like the trajectory that this team was on, but I, I think that this, yeah. again, kind of like the Cardinals losing uh, to the 49ers this week. I think that the Browns losing to the Jets really just killed their playoff chances. First off, how do you lose to uh-huh. the Jets? That's just utter disappointment. Uh, yes, you don't have any wide receivers, but it's the freaking Jets. They don't have anyone. Uh, but I think that the Colts probably can clinch it because they have a very easy yeah. Week 17 matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are probably going to want to lose that matchup um, just so they can kind yeah. of secure their number one pick next year. Uh, so I think that the Colts definitely win. But the Browns are playing the Steelers. Even if they do some – or. I'm not sure if the Colts have the tiebreaker over them or not. Um, not 100% sure on that. Um, but I feel like there's a pretty high probability that the Browns might lose that game given the way that they played um, in this game. I think that the Ravens, the Dolphins, and the I think the yeah, Titans, Titans have it locked in for right sure. Today. I think the uh, Ravens yeah, also have it for sure. Uh, the Dolphins, yes, they could easily lose to the Bills because the Bills are so good. But I think since they do have the tiebreaker over the Browns and everything, I, I think that they can still kind of, even if they lose, it won't kill their playoff hopes completely. So I, I have the Browns getting kicked out, sadly, yeah, so even though I do kind of like the Poor team. day for the Baker and the Kyler Murray, both big fans of for me. But we're going to be moving on to some NBA action mm-hmm. now. The Warriors suffering back-to-back blow blowouts and absolutely blowouts. Do you think they are a playoff team and what's going on in Golden State? Uh, The short answer is, from what I've seen from this team, absolutely not. A lot of people were saying before the season, I mean, they just need a big man. That's not all they need. They have so many problems. This team has basically been shellacked from that that championship caliber team that we've seen just like two, three years ago, uh, which has been pretty sad. I mean, yes, it is kind of nice for all the other fans of other NBA teams to kind of have like a shot and everything, make it a little bit more competitive. Um, but I definitely do not think this is a playoff team. They got absolutely destroyed by the Bucks, uh, And then uh, they, again, they lost today, I believe. Uh, I, I'm not sure if that game is 
ended yet or not. Oh, no, actually, they ended up winning today against the Bulls uh, by one point. Sorry, I got my facts mixed up there. But they did, lo- they did lose their last two games. Steph Curry is literally having to do it all. And uh, this is where I think that this Warriors team kind of falls apart because uh, Steph Curry, as great as a player he is, when we've seen before, especially in that playoff series against the Raptors, I noticed, and I think I remarked on this on the podcast earlier, when it's just Curry on that team, they cannot win games because Curry needs people that he can dish to because he's, he's, he's a great scorer, but he cannot do everything because if Curry just misses a couple mm-hmm. shots, gets a little bit cold, that team is done. That team literally cannot do anything on offense. Uh, I think that James Wiseman has been a great addition for them. He's, he's coming in really clutch for them. Um, and I think he's a good player, but I, I just feel like there are just so many holes. Kelly Oubre is just not performing like they wanted him to. That bench just has not a lot of talent. I don't think this is a playoff yeah, team. Yeah, uh, this is uh, not a playoff team by any metric. Um, they, do, they, they, they did play two very good teams in the Nets and the Bucks, So that blowout is kind of understandable. But this team is just not the same as the dynasty once was. Stars win games in the NBA, and their only star is Stephen Curry. And it's very difficult to make it to the playoffs at this point with a one-star team. That's kind of the bottom seeds of the playoffs. And they've literally got one guy, Kelly Oubre, pretty boy Kelly Oubre, his first two games, his only made field goals were dunks. (laughs) He did not make any jump shots or anything like that. His only made field goals were dunks, I believe. Uh, James Wiseman is playing very, very good. I think he can become a very, very good player for the Warriors. But centers, it's very tough to have a team revolved around mm-hmm. the center in today's NBA, which obviously they're not going to do with Curry. But mm-hmm. their bench is non-existent. I, mm-hmm. They're barely squeaking by the Bulls, who have Zach Levine and like a bunch of other role rookie type of players. The, they just don't have the same talent they used to have, and I yeah. think Warriors fans just need to accept that. I don't think they're going to make the playoff team. They're going to make the playoffs. I think they kind of stick around for that eight mm-hmm. seed, but they eventually kind of fall out to maybe like the Phoenix Suns or something like that. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But they just don't have enough talent to make it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If they do make it to the playoffs, they're a first-round exit easily, in my opinion. Yeah, that's definitely true, Dale. As much as we hate to admit it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe not you since you're a Lakers fan. Uh but it, but it is kind of sad to see this team go out like this, yeah. uh, especially Clay's injury really setting them back. But uh, moving on here, we had an embarrassing, <laughs> embarrassing loss by the Los Angeles Clippers today. The Dallas Mavericks beat them by – were up by yeah. 50 – I think 50 was the exact number, if not 52, which is the largest margin entering a half in NBA history. <laughs> so the Clippers just a record-breaking team already. Um, I, I'm going to kind of start this out because I, I have Paul George on my fantasy team. He, he played well for me the first two games. But this team is really, really, really weak without Kawhi Leonard. I think Montrezl Harrell, without him as well, that, that really kind of lessens their depth that they have as a team. I think that this team really has not grown a lot yeah, stronger sure. since last season. If anything, it's grown weaker. Uh. I think that without Kawhi, you really – just with Paul George, Paul George is a very on-and-off player. When he's on, he's on. If he's off, he's very off. As we saw, he went four for 13 today. Uh, horrible game. He had, like, four turnovers. 
this this unit played horribly. I didn't even I don't I didn't watch too much of this game because it's not very fun to just watch like the Mavericks bench smoke the the Clippers. Uh but I I really do like the Mavericks as a team. I think when they're rolling they can they can play up to competition. Uh which is nice. Uh Yeah. Luka getting I think his first win this season. Um uh, and based on the fact that they don't have crew steps either yet. I think that this kind of this is good for the Mavericks, uh, where they are as a team. I think they have they have a good bench. They got some great guys. Oh. Got, they got like Jalen Brunson, uh, Dwight Powell. Uh, so you got you got good guys off the bench. You got good you got a good starting lineup as well. So I think this is good for the obviously good for the Mavericks. They smoked the Clippers, but the Clippers now you're realizing that hey maybe Doc Rivers wasn't the yeah, problem. Maybe um... we're I we think just don't this know how to play is basketball. Very much a possibility for the Clippers to sort of continue to suffer from these big blowouts. Um, they're not a regular season team in the sense that mm-hmm. you know Kawhi's obviously going to want to get his rest in. Paul George is also probably going to want to get his rest in at some point. Um, they're both very injury. Kawhi's not that big of an injury liability, but Paul George could definitely get some injuries, and then. My issue is I'm not seeing where any yeah. of this accountability is being held because Kawhi Leonard is not going to be held accountable because he's not really the leader of the team. Mm-hmm. You know, he's definitely the best player. He's not really the leader. Paul George isn't really that much of a leader, in my opinion. And Ty Lu, I think he's kind of a a pawn to the mm-hmm. superstar players on his team. Uh, I saw this with Cleveland, <laughs> but that was with LeBron. Yep. That's a whole different story compared to Kawhi and PG. But I don't think uh, – he'll definitely, like, yell about it in the mm-hmm. locker room and be like, yo, guys, we lost by 50. But I don't really think the Clippers will be like, okay, who cares? It's just a regular mm-hmm. season game. And I think that's kind of going to be one of their uh, struggling points. I think they don't have, really mm-hmm. have someone who can rally them around and really just play for that um, playoffs games in the future, which they're definitely going to be in the playoffs. They have a lot of talent. But I think they're kind of prone to – just getting, like, absolutely whooped like they did today. You know, obviously they'll say, oh, no Kawhi, no Kawhi. The Mavs had no Kristaps mm-hmm. Porzingis, uh, which he's their second-best yeah. player. So I think this is just kind yeah. of a red flag to the Clippers. I think this mm-hmm. could kind of be a trouble that they're going to have to deal with throughout the season. Yeah, I think this just does not bode well for the rest of the season. They might be a good regular season team, but I think when it comes down to the playoffs, this team is not going to go very far. Yes. Uh, but moving on here, we had a little bit of beef in the N- NBA. Uh, it's with our boy Grayson Allen. Uh, if you guys don't know him, he, he's on the Memphis Grizzlies. He's their backup point guard, I think. Uh, I don't think he starts for them. Uh, but he kind of had some beef with uh, Trey Young where uh, they kind of had, like, a physical altercation during the game. Uh, and then on social media as well, uh, when Trey Young mm-hmm. posted a video of <laughs> Grayson Allen uh, trying to trip him, uh, when Grayson was going around a screen, uh, what happened was he, he stuck his foot out, uh, and Trey – he didn't trip on it, luckily. Otherwise, that would have been bad. But he almost tripped on Grayson Allen's foot, and Trey posted it on Twitter, and then Grayson Allen said – I am so, so sorry that I hurt you, even though it's clear he's, be, he's being very uh, he's being very mocking of Trey Young because Trey Young didn't even get hurt on that play. And then Grace Allen like, kind of treated him like a baby. He was like, oh, I'm so sorry that I hurt you. Are you OK? Uh, I, I wonder like what happened after that. Like, 
like near-death experience yeah, for same, you. Same. I'm going to start this out. I hate Grayson Allen. I, I don't think anyone likes him. I don't think like Duke fans like him. I don't think Grizzlies fans like him. He he's like a, he's a cancer. I, I think that anyone that plays like this does not deserve to be in the NBA right now. I think that he he's not a good player, and I think that uh, or actually I think it's a little bit mean of me to say he's not a good player. Otherwise, he wouldn't be in the NBA. But uh, he doesn't have a very superstar like skill set, and based on the position that he was taken in the draft, he's been a little bit of a bust. Uh, actually going down to the G League, kind of developing there, coming back, which is cool. But Trey Young, he's a superstar. He He's playing absolutely out of his mind. And if Grayson Allen was the reason that he was to get injured, I think that that's a horrible way to go out. And if you're actively looking to yeah, so people, we know Grayson Allen's I think that's very just horrible. Dylan, what do you doing think? this type of stuff. This is clearly intentional because when you're sliding over a screen, mm-hmm. you're trying to get your feet down as quick as possible, especially against a guy like Trey Young. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of sticking his foot in the air, hopefully – He's trying to get uh, Trey Young to fall over. Um, I'm fine with Trey Young kind of retweeting this, but I think Allen did have actually a mm-hmm. very good response to this as much as I dislike him. I don't think this really goes that deep. Yeah. Uh, I don't see the Grizzlies and Hawks matching up in the playoffs anytime soon uh, in the NBA Finals or anything like that. But it just gets Grayson mm-hmm. Allen, 72 overall bench warmer, more attention in the media. Props for doing that. Uh, he needs to pick up his basketball career a bit, <laughs> in my opinion. But this is mm-hmm. a kind of interesting beef. Uh, I don't really think anything goes that deep with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not exactly a rivalry you're going to be paying on TV to see, to see uh, based on the fact that Grayson Allen doesn't even start that much. The exact words that were exchanged, uh, there's a gif of that image that I described to you guys earlier. Um, and... Uh, Trey Young basically said, this got to stop. And then Grayson Allen at, like retweeted it. And then he said that, dang, that must have really, really hurt. I'm sorry. I hope you're okay. That's a, that's a not going to lie. That's a baller move. Like Dylan said, that, that's, that's pretty funny. But uh, mm-hmm. what's not funny is that he tried to injure Trey Young, which is not okay. Uh, but moving on here, we're talking about not really a sports thing, but uh, a little bit of an entertainment thing. Uh, things that it's based on stuff that we talked about before, you know, Playboy Cardi, uh, me and Jad kind of like him. Uh, <laughs> I, I like him a little bit more than Jad. Uh, Dylan doesn't really like him too, too much. Uh, but he dropped his very, very longly anticipated album, Whole Lot of Red, on Christmas Day, uh, after years, two years, uh, removed from his last album. Uh, a lot of the songs off this leaked, so he had to like restart it. Uh, it's very polarizing. A lot of people really hate it. A lot of people really like it. Cardi yeah, fans so are divided. The media is divided. I don't divided. like this guy. Don't. I'm going to let no you go first on this. What do you he think of the album? I'm interested. K 1993 with Drake. And every time his part comes on, I skip it. Um, <laughs> it's very, yep. very bad in my opinion. Yeah. The talent level <laughs> is just lacking with me. Uh, I didn't really listen to the album that deeply, so if you're looking for a review, don't listen to me. But um, yeah. I didn't really expect this to be some like amazing album or anything. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he dropped on Christmas, you know. I kind of respect that, but then I hear that oh, um, yeah. it's been two years since he's like made an album or something like that. Um, Cardi, I mean, I get you know, good job on releasing an album, but yeah. apparently it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good from what I heard. But I didn't really expect it to be good, if I'm being honest. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a very fair take, Dylan. Uh, I'm a Playboy Cardi fan. Uh, I don't think that I speak on behalf of all fans, but this is what my personal experience was, and this is what my friends' experiences were that were also Playboy Cardi fans. Uh, we opened, uh, for me, I'm an Apple Music guy. I don't know about you guys out there. Uh, I'm an Apple Music guy. Uh, comes with the family plan, so uh, kind of have to take it. <laughs> um, but I opened up my Apple Music like I have so many times before when Playboy Cardi has misled us fans to thinking that he's actually going to drop. I open it up and I see a whole lot of red just dropped by Playboy Cardi. I'm like, this is this is the moment that I've been waiting for as a Playboy Cardi fan. I go, I just add that to the library. I plug, I, I connect my headphones and I, I just I'm I'm ready. I'm texting my friend because I sent him a screenshot saying like it's here, uh, and he's like, okay, okay, I'm downloading it. And we went through it. We kind of started at the same time, which is cool because we get to experience it at the same time. But it started out very strangely. This is not usually the music that Playboy Cardi likes to make. He likes to kind of flow on the beat and stuff. But on this, he's trying to kind of like he's trying to make himself be heard over the beat, which is something kind of strange. Let me let me just talk about my first reaction to this. I thought this album sucked. I thought this album was horrible. As a Cardi fan. I wanted to kill myself after this album. The first half of this album is horrible. Like any, like a trained monkey could have sat in front of the mic and like screech and it would have been more enjoyable than this. Yeah. He, he, Cardi is just kind of showing that he does not have talent as, uh, as an artist. I don't think he's a talented artist. I enjoy his music, but as much as I have to say it, he's not a talented artist in any way, shape or form. I think that even if you're a Cardi fan, you got to admit like anyone could do what he does. We saw Mario Judah, uh, my guy. He literally he dropped uh, an album titled "Whole Lot of Red." Yeah. He kind of made fun of Playboy Cardi using the baby voice and did it basically how Cardi does it. Uh, but on this, he's kind of using more of like an experimental raspy voice. I was so disappointed by the Kanye track that that track was on Instagram uh, because Cardi like posted a twenty second snippet and it was so hard because the beats and the sample was so fire because the bass. <laughs> yep. um, and then Cardi messes up because he's just like, he wants to like moan on the beat or something. I, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, let me just say this though. I think the producers are the real heroes of this album. I mean, I think it's an absolute crime that Art Dealer and Play and uh, Pierre Bourne, who are the main two producers that Cardi likes to work with, are only featured on like four or five tracks of this 25, 24 track album, which I think kind of doesn't bode well when you have so much chemistry with these two guys. Why would you go with like other people since these guys know your sound very well? And the songs that he did link up with Pierre Bourne and Art Dealer on were very good songs. I would say that I will say that this album grew on me quite a bit for my first listen. I don't think it's horrible anymore, but I think it's easily his worst album. Uh, I think that all of the beats on here are just really good, really good beats. But Cardi just ruins like I would say good <laughs> half of the songs. Uh which is not a great percentage uh, uh, in, in, in anything. So as a Cardi fan, I am a little bit disappointed because this is not what we were expecting. Yeah. But since the deluxe is coming soon, we're going to see that, that song with Drake that I know you'll be excited for, Dylan. Hopefully Drake will do his thing. He did his thing last time on that Playboy Cardi song. Uh, we'll kind of see like an Uzi feature. Uh, I know we have a Travis Scott song scheduled, a Post Malone song also on the deluxe. So I'm hoping the deluxe is going to be kind of like the the Eternal Ataki, like Lil Uzi Deluxe, where it'll just be like an entirely new album and like be a lot better than the original. Uh, but yeah, moving on to our last segment, 
It's our favorite segment. It's your guys' favorite segment. I don't yeah, think so anyone in the world hates this segment. It's love slash hate. Uh, from Dylan, our what do you got days, for us this week? This is going to be a, a love for me today. Uh, okay. I love in and out French fries. Had them today. Everybody mm-hmm. I know says they're bad. Oh, they're stale. They're so consistent. Oh, that the is a... Five Guys fries are the soggiest things I've ever seen in my entire life. In and out is consistent. It's got oh, okay, French okay. fries. It's over. Form. It's over. We can call the podcast. It's got, it's got form. It's got texture. It's got flavor. I it's was consistently these, bad. And dog. I was just thinking of how you and Chad would just probably be like smirking at me texture. for eating these French fries. It it just it made me smile just tasting how good these things were. <laughs> and my love for today is In and Out French fries, baby. <laughs> Man, Dylan, you might you might just make me change my love to like a hate, and then just say I hate okay. in and out fries. Uh, I actually oh, okay. I innovated a little bit today. Uh, I'm in the middle. I, I don't know if I love this or if I hate it. Uh, yes, I, I don't usually have McDonald's a lot, but I heard that the McRib was coming back, so I ordered it. <laughs> I am so conflicted on how I don't think a sandwich has ever made me feel the way that the McRib has made me feel. I can't even put uh-huh. it – I can't – I would say slightly lean towards love because I didn't hate it. I didn't really hate it. But it's, like, in the middle for me between love slash hate. Like, I, I just don't know how to feel. It's an, it's an enigma. It's like a – it's one of the marvels of the scientific world, if you really think about it, the McRib. Uh, I'll kind of break down the meal. I got a Coke, and then, of course, I got the fries uh, and then the McRib. Uh, the fries mm. are good. I think the McDonald's fries, like, like a lot out. of people like to hate on them. I think that they're good. They're thin. They're salty. That's kind of, like <laughs> – I like I like fries like that. <laughs> okay, we're gonna I'm gonna ignore that you just said that, um, but and of course the Coke was good. Uh, McDonald's I feel like the McDonald's sodas are probably like they're probably one of the best out of any fast food chain. Like a lot of restaurants, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure you noticed this too, Dylan, where your your soft drink just kind of comes out like really flat or it just doesn't have the same taste because it tastes so watered down. I haven't really had that issue with McDonald's. I feel like their drinks are just kind of on point. I mean, yeah, they are pretty heavily uh, partnered with Coca-Cola. So I don't know, maybe they get like better quality Coke or something or they do something with the machine, but it just tastes better in my opinion. Uh, but like I said, I don't have McDonald's a lot. So I didn't really know what to compare this with because I don't have like a lot of experience with like the McDouble or like any of the other stuff. But the McRib is weird. So first off, it's called the McRib. It's not even rib. Like it's not even a rib mm-hmm. meat. It's like a, it's just a ham kind of like hamburger mixed with like kind of rib meat it's not like an actual rib the barbecue sauce is sweet uh it, it's sort of tangy but at the same time not really i think the pickles are a very good touch uh, though I'm not, i took the onions, onions off mine i hate onions on my burger it's, it's not Dylan, that how big do you of feel a deal to onions? me but pickles are an absolute deal breaker in my opinion not a fan of pickles uh-huh. you you're not a fan Okay, I, I'm a big fan of pickles personally. I I, I like salty stuff, so I, I I like pickles and olives and stuff. But uh, overall, just as a sandwich, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a it's a marvel of science how this sandwich makes you feel. You don't know whether you absolutely hate it, but you don't know Very if you absolutely love it. It could be the best thing I've ever tasted, but it could also be the worst thing I've ever. It's tasted. a love and a hate. Uh, so I'm not even doing a love hate for today. It's just a an experience. 
It's a love and a hate. I would say that leaning slightly more towards love, I think it, at the end of the day, it's a decent sandwich, even though it looks like lunchroom quality and probably tastes like it too. I don't know. It's just such a weird experience, man, because I, I never get McDonald's. I think it's been like a good like year or two since I've gotten McDonald's. Yeah. Even so then, I don't get it regularly. So I think podcast. I was just pretty, pretty blown some away NFL, by this experience. Some NBA, some music and McDonald's. Very good experience for you guys, and uh, we're going to see you back next Sunday for our 31st episode. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, and uh, we might also, uh, next episode, we'll probably be talking about the playoff picture, right? And Mm -hmm. we might be getting out our NFL wide receivers list, uh, top 10 NFL wide receivers list soon as well. Uh, We'll keep you guys updated on all that. Next week is the last week of picks, so make sure you get those in. Let us know uh, what you guys like, what you hate. Um, and uh, overall, I, I think I, I'm, yeah. I don't want to roast our viewers here or anything, but I think you guys, I think you guys might be ahead of Jad, uh, but I think that still firmly puts you in last, if not third place. Uh, me and Dylan are kind of the champions of that. Uh, no offense, Dylan, but I, I, not really offense here, but I am in the one seed right now. Uh, because uh, of, I, I won this week as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's kind of been a – I think it's been a pretty good experience doing these kind of, like, week-by-week yep. picks. Let us know what you think uh, when we do get those up. 